Hey guys, it's good to talk to you again, Dr. LeHue. Um, today we're talking about resisting the consumer marriage. And uh, I've talked before in the other videos about what a consumer marriage is. Uh, basically the idea is we see ourselves as a consumer of goods and services. And rather than throwing ourselves in as a partner, as a citizen or a full member in this marriage, we're asking ourselves, do I feel like my needs are being taken care of? Do I feel like I'm receiving everything I deserve? Am I, uh, is, is this marriage, um, or this family, am I getting what I, what, as much as I'm putting into it or more? And that's that consumer-oriented mindset that, that we bring into marriage. We bring it into a lot of areas in our, in our life where it's just not appropriate. And so we're going to be talking about that today and uh, the devastating effects that that has on marriage. Our information is coming from the book Take Back Your Marriage by William uh, Doherty. I would encourage you to get this book if you can. Um, I want to break it down and uh, into bite-sized pieces that I hope are help you in your home, help you in your marriage. So, um, you know, the basic idea is that um, when couples begin asking themselves, you know, not what can I give to this marriage, but is what I'm giving being reciprocated to a great enough degree, uh, when they start focusing on, you know, are my needs being met the way I feel like they should, then uh, it sets us up for frustration and unneeded frustration and, um, it sabotages the the long-term commitment of that marriage um, so I'm just gonna go through some of the information here um, our personal desires you know what we want in a marriage or out of a relationship when you hear couples talk about it it's almost like they talk about their expectations in the marriage as if they're constitutional rights um, you know like like the right to a free speech or the right to assembly um, it's like if I feel deprived in any way in this marriage. I don't feel like, you know, this, my partner is, my wife is meeting my need for recreational companionship or meeting my need for conversation or meeting my need for affection or whatever it is. Um, then I'm not being treated fairly. And so that, those are grounds for, you know, something to happen. And rather than just learning to accept disappointment, or or talking about it you know letting it be letting it move us to communication and making our needs known sometimes we just live with these unspoken expectations of what um, the marriage should be like and if they don't meet my expectations um, or I feel like you know I could get a better deal somewhere else or be treated more fairly somewhere else um, then the couple's ready to split up and move on and they feel like they have grounds for splitting up you know like um, you know they're being some kind of somehow emotionally abused because the other person is not meeting their needs to the level that you know I feel like they should and so we bring these this consumer oriented mindset and so again this consumer oriented mindset is uh, you know advertisers are working overtime all across the nation to convince you that you can't live without their products like if you're going to be you know a likable person then you need to wear their brand of shirts and their brand of jeans and if you're going to be an attractive person then you need to drive their car and if you're going to be a healthy person then you need to eat their their food the way they've prepared it and so they work really hard at trying to convince you that the people down the street have it better than you and you're missing out on something and because you're missing out on something you know you better act now you better respond now and you better buy their goods and services and so we tend to bring that kind of mindset 
you know, that sort of like, I'm going to review how many stars do you get into everything we do. We're, we're sort of, uh, you know, groomed, you might say, by society to think like consumers, like savvy consumers. And at the end of the day, consumers are only concerned about their own personal interests. So this isn't love. Whatever love is, this is not what love is. Um, love keeps no records of wrongs, okay? So this consumer-oriented mindset is always saying, you know, do I feel like I'm getting the best deal I could get here. If I'm not, then my only loyalty, my only commitment is to myself and to my personal interest. And so I might as well just cut my losses and run. And so this will create, you know, sort of a marriage merry-go-round because if this person that I'm married to um, isn't meeting my needs to the level that I think they should, and, you know, I'm going to then raise a complaint. And when nothing happens at my complaint, then, you know, maybe I'll start showing, you know, a bad attitude and, and then it start, you start treating your, your mate unfairly and um, you may start, uh, you know, responding and reacting in a very negative way to your spouse, which then further compounds the problem because now, they, now they're frustrated and so since they're frustrated, they're, they're less likely to meet your needs, which then gives you the justification that, well, look how terrible this person is. They're not even trying to meet my needs. Look, they're so hard to live with. They're so frustrated all the time. Well, maybe I'm frustrating them. Maybe my demands um, and my expectations are part of the problem. Okay. So this consumer mindset that we kind of have in our country, you know, it, bring, it comes into parenting too. You know, do I think my kids are are really appreciating all the hard work and dedication and sacrifice that I've made over the years. I don't think I'm being treated fairly as a parent because my kids, you know, they just have these high expectations as to what I should deliver. And so these kids, you know, they need to be taught a lesson. Or maybe the kids have that consumer-oriented expectations of their parents saying, look, the kids down the street, they've got a brand new Xbox and they've got better cell phones and they've got, you know, super high Wi-Fi and and we're stuck here with all these old electronics and all this outdated stuff. And we're wearing all these old, you know, clothes with not name brands. And I don't think you're doing a very good job as a parent. And so those expectations, where I'm saying is those expectations are what society puts on us. And then we expect other people to live up those to those expectations when maybe they've made no promise to live up to our expectations. It could be that the expectations themselves are the problem. And it seems like, you know, nobody knows how to deal with disappointment anymore. Disappointment is a normal part of life. I've seen parents go through the drive-thru at McDonald's, you know, and uh, their child wanted a certain toy in their Happy Meal. And I don't know why they sell the food, because the kid doesn't want the meal, they just want the toy. So they go through the drive-thru, they get the toy, and, it, uh, and as they drive away from the drive-thru, the kid screams because they didn't get the right toy. They got the Barbie toy instead of the doggy toy. And so, ah, they lose their mind. And rather than this being an opportunity for the parent to teach the child, hey, this is what disappointment feels like. Sometimes in life, you don't get what you expect. Sometimes in life, you don't get what you, what you, uh, what you hope for. And sometimes in life, you're going to feel disappointment. And this is what it feels like. And in a very real teachable moment, that parent has the opportunity to teach that child what disappointment feels like in a very protective, controlled way. But rather than do that, I've seen parents stop the car, go into the McDonald's, um, and raise a fit, you know, because their kid 
is pitching a fit and the parent doesn't want to deal with it. The parent doesn't want to hear the child have a meltdown, have a crisis, so they rush in to rescue the child and further compound the problem because they're protecting that child's consumer-oriented mindset, teaching them that if they just cry and complain that they never have to experience disappointment in life. And so we bring that childish consumer-oriented mindset into the way we do families. And the reality is, is guys, I have five kids. My wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. There's, there's going to be times when we disappoint each other. There's going to be times when expectations are not met. And you just have to just go on. You have to say, well, you know, maybe, maybe my kid was having a bad day today. Or maybe my parents were having a bad day today. Or maybe my husband was having a bad day today. And um, that's okay. You know, and you just shake it off. And you think, well, maybe maybe I could be more responsive. Maybe I could be more compassionate. Maybe I could be more understanding. But see, that takes love. And that's what our society doesn't know how to do. We're not good at loving each other. We don't have, you know, the love within us. And we don't know where to get that love. Because it's got to come from a higher source. And so we won't stick with it long enough. You know, or stay with it long enough. But we want all the benefits of the long-term commitment without the sacrifices and the disappointments that come from making long-term commitments. In fact, people run away from contracts. They run away from commitments. And they even talk about marriages now like starter marriages. You know, like, well, maybe this isn't probably going to work out, but it'll, you know, just like we have a starter home. One day we'll upgrade. And the real commitment you need to make is not to your spouse, but you need to make a commitment to yourself to make yourself the most relationally uh, entrepreneur you can. And so if a better deal comes along or what you perceive to be a better deal comes along, make sure that you're ready to jump on that deal. You know, This is not in any way what marriage is all about. This is not in any way what marriage should be about. And I've seen it over the years, guys. As a pastor, I've seen... I've been in pastoral ministry now for 30 years, maybe longer. And I've seen couples that really did not need to get a divorce. There was not abuse. There was not infidelity. Um, there was just frustration. And I've seen over and over and over again, couples split up and turn against one another because they didn't feel like they were getting the best deal. I didn't feel like I was getting all that I deserve, you know, I didn't feel like I was getting all that I deserved all the time that I felt like I deserved it. I didn't feel like, you know, they you were meeting my needs or listening to me or caring about me the way I expected you to care about me. And so couples will cut and run and and into hell with what damage it causes the kids or what damage it causes the extended family or the greater community or the church family. Because see the consumer doesn't think about that. The consumer's only thinking about my personal interests. What's in it for me? What's good for me? But none of this is necessarily good for you. Not in the long term, but see, we're only thinking about the short term. Well, right now, you know, my husband is frustrating me and I'm sick and tired of it. And I, and I, I feel like I could get a better deal somewhere else. And I put so much into this and it just seems like they're lazy and that they're not you know, they're apathetic or maybe they're tiresome. And, and I think, you know, down the road here, I could get a better deal. And so what do we do? We cut and split and run. And like I said, without maybe even any real regard as to what, what about all the other people in our lives that this is going to affect? 
you know, all those people that we made this commitment be before that we would remain faithful to each other. Well, it's not comfortable right now, so I'm done. Well, you know, if you have a job, there's going to be days where maybe you're frustrated at work, but you guys still got to go to work, you know? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you can just quit that too. Maybe you can just quit your job too. Well, what about parenting? Let's maybe put it that way. Are there going to be times when your kids frustrate you? Are you going to just be done with your kids because, you know, they're frustrating and they can be hard to live with? You know, my kid's not appreciating me, so I'm just going to let my kid go. Isn't it crazy when you think about it? I mean, you don't get to choose your parents. You're just born into the family. You don't get to choose your brothers and sisters, and you don't get to choose what children that you have unless you adopt them. You don't get to choose what children you have. You just get what the Lord gives you. For good or for bad, that's your family. Your brothers and sisters, your parents, your kids. You don't get to choose anybody at all in your family. You're just stuck with them. And you know that. And so you just learn to get along. You just learn to adapt. You just learn to change your expectations. You learn to communicate. It's those playground rules. If you act like a jerk, the other kids on the playground won't play with you. Well, see, you can't do that anymore in this day and age. If somebody acts like a jerk, four teachers and administrators run in, surround the kid, and give him, you know, lessons on how to be more tolerant. So nobody learns playground rules anymore that you just can't act like a jerk and expect everybody to get along with you. You have to put up with people. You have to be nice. You have to just treat people, you know, in a certain way or they're going to reject you. And you have to learn to deal with disappointment. And so here's the thing. The only person that you get to choose, in our culture at least, is your spouse, your husband, your wife. That's the person that you choose. Isn't it amazing that the one person that we choose seems like the one person that people can't get along with? They can get along with their kids. They can put up with their kids. When their kids are frustrating them, they just learn to grin and bear it and endure it. And they say, well, you know, what am I going to do? It's my son. I love my son. I love my daughter. I'm not going to quit being their parent. Or, or brothers and sisters, we learn to get along. We learn to work out our problems. We learn to, you know, deal with it. The one person that we don't seem to learn to get along with is the person we choose. And maybe since I chose this person as my wife, maybe I feel like that gives me the right to choose. Maybe I don't want to be her husband anymore. And so that's what this consumer mindset does to us. Rather than being full participants in a covenant, in a partnership, you know, we're, we're kind of always, you know, putting our thumb to the pulse and saying, you know, am I fully satisfied today? Well, if I'm not fully satisfied, whose fault is that? Well, that's her fault. You know, she's not living up to my expectations, and so she needs to step up her game, and, um, or, you know, maybe a better deal might come along. And so this mindset, it destroys churches and people's involvement in churches. It destroys communities. It destroys businesses. It destroys families. And it's maybe destroying your home, your marriage right now, your expectations, so here's the cool thing. You can change your expectations. If you would maybe get in a more centered mindset and say, look, what does my spouse really owe me? Fidelity, faithfulness. You know, they owe me faithfulness. Um, what do they really owe me? Um, they promised that they would be faithful to me, that they wouldn't be abusive to me. They wouldn't mistreat me, harm me, bring me physical harm, you know? Okay, so get real with those expectations and then say, you know, everything else 
is maybe stuff that society has told me that I should should expect. And instead of asking, are they meeting my needs, why don't you ask yourself, am I meeting their needs? That's what love does. It says, what can I do? You know, because face it, you're not going to change your spouse. You can barely change you. Right? If you could change you better, you'd be 20 pounds lighter. There, you, Hello? There you go. If you could change you, you'd be 20 pounds lighter right now. Right? Okay. So it's hard enough to change you. Why do you think you can change your spouse? Right? But see, the focus is always, well, pastor, you know, um, see, he's the problem. She's the problem. She won't do this, or she always does that, or he does this, or he always does that, or he never does this, or he never does that. I get it. And as long as you think like that, you're never going to be able to change the marriage because you've already surrendered all the control and the authority and the power over to the other person. You're saying, I'm a victim. I'm a victim, and they have all the power. Well, so then you don't have to do anything. See, it makes you feel good because you can let yourself off the hook. You say, well, you know, I can't help it. But see, do you really want to live the rest of your life like that? Why don't you step up to the plate and say, what can I do? If you change the way you dance, you're going to change the dance. If you change the way you behave, you're going to change the marriage. But see, if you're just focused on what they're doing and what they should be doing better, then who can stop that? They can. They can stop that. Your spouse can stop that. But when you focus on what you're doing and when you focus on how you're behaving, nobody can stop you from loving them. Just let that sink in for a minute. No one can stop you from loving them. Now, they may not respond the way that you'd like them to. So what? You didn't agree to love your spouse as long as they responded to you the way you would like them to. Do your kids always respond to you the way you want them to? No, they don't. Do the people at work always respond to you the way that you feel is appropriate and the way you feel they should? No. No one can keep you from loving them, but you got to know what love is. And if you don't know what love is, go back and watch the video where I talk about um, the three kinds of love. I forget what I called that. Let me see what video that was. Will my marriage make it, I think is something like that. Um, will my marriage last? I talk about the three different kinds of love. And you got to make sure you have... Uh, that agape love that says no matter what I'm not giving up I'm not quitting because God's in this and he's bigger than 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 my problems all right so what else do we want to talk about from this um, you know a lot of couples will just kind of be like well you know we drifted apart it happens and so the marriage just kind of dies with a whimper you know um, it just happens we drifted apart why did you drift apart Maybe you weren't working at it as well as you should have been. You weren't giving it the attention that it deserves. And so when you're not paddling upstream, you're drifting, okay? So it's going to take constant attention. What you give your attention to is what will succeed, all right? So let's see. Consumer culture, we talked about that. Um... The me first approach to life. 
which at the end of the day just brings misery. You know, when you put your short-term, temporary, me-first goals front and center, you eat cotton candy and Pop-Tarts. That's what you do. You eat cotton candy and Pop-Tarts and pizza and hamburgers because that's what tastes good and that's what you like and that's simple and everybody else is eating it. But then what? You end up unhealthy, right? So if you put long-term goals, in other words, don't just ask yourself, what do I want to eat? Ask yourself, what do I want to have eaten? Okay, so don't just ask yourself, what do I want right now? But what do I hope will my life will look like when I'm an old man, when I'm an old lady? What do I want to have what do I want to have attained over the span of my life? And that will help you guide you in, in some of the decisions that we make in the future. So this me first, what I want right now, you know, it's a very childish way to live. And nothing of real significance is going to be accomplished in life with that sort of mentality of what do I want right now? What if your spouse has that attitude? What, if, what, what do I want right now? Can you live up to all those expectations? All right, so where does it end? The chief value of the consumer marriage is making sure that your needs are being met and that your options are always open. And so the consumer-oriented mindset in a marriage is always got your finger on the pulse or my needs being met to the degree I think they should be and I want to make sure all my options are open. As soon as you adopt that sort of thinking, you have basically set your marriage up for failure. Okay, um, I'll be committed as long as this is meeting my needs. And if, if I settle for anything less than what I feel like I deserve, then I'm a sucker. That's the consumer-oriented mindset. And so there's a lot of soft reasons why couples end up separated. The relationship wasn't working for me anymore. Our needs were just too different. I wasn't happy any longer. Um, why can't you be happy just being a faithful spouse? Why doesn't that make you happy? I mean, think about that. My spouse wasn't, my marriage wasn't making me happy. My spouse wasn't making me happy anymore. Why can't you be happy just being a faithful husband? Why doesn't that, hey, I'm a faithful husband. That makes me happy to know that. I'm a faithful wife. I'm a faithful parent. I'm a loving husband. That makes me happy. That knowing that, no matter how they respond, makes me happy just knowing that I'm a faithful husband. That's a powerful thought. Okay, I grew and they didn't. So I grew right out of this marriage, okay? Or I'm a Christian and they're not. Or um, she changed too much. Or I deserve more. Or we're not the same people we were when we got married. Or, um, you know, my husband is just a nice guy, but he's boring. The relationship became stale. Or we didn't have any real intimacy. Or he wasn't a good role model for the kids. I mean, all these are are the reasons, the soft reasons, the hard reasons are he's abusive to my children or he's cheating on me or he's been lying and not, you know, he's been coming home drunk every night and lying, he hasn't been at work, he's gambled away all of our money and we're gonna be out on the street. Those are more hard reasons that society used to recognize as okay, sometimes these things happen. But now here's the point that this author's making is those soft reasons in this consumer-oriented mindset now become acceptable reasons why, well, you should move on. You should move on. You know, and you go to a therapist, and a therapist is going to say, oh, wow, you know, if that's what you want, then, you know, you need to do what's best for you. Is it really what's best for you? That's the question. Is this really what's best for you? I know it's easiest right now, in the short term, it's easiest. 
but is it what's best for you and for your home and for your kids and for society? Okay. What about the ongoing pain that's going to come and consequences that are going to come from splitting up? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't just go away. You might be able to turn this marriage around. And see, that's the hope of making videos like this. That's my hope of coming into your life is there might be hope of turning this marriage around um, if we don't let this get too far. Because these soft reasons start to build up and it creates resentment in you, which then gets acted out directly and indirectly in your marriage, which makes the other person more confrontational, more frustrated, and then those soft reasons can often end up becoming hard reasons. And then somebody does become abusive, and then somebody does become, you know, addicted, and then somebody does become, you know, then the affair does happen because we're so frustrated with each other that we start to push each other away rather than pull each other each other in the constant complaining and all that the constant dissatisfaction creates an unbearable marriage okay it doesn't make it doesn't solve your problems it makes it worse um consumer marriage enters the picture and i focus mainly on what i'm not getting in the marriage or how my mate is not meeting my needs um, and so, you know, my idea or my fantasy of what this marriage or this relationship should look like starts to take over and I compare what is with what I think it should be. And it leads to what? Disappointment. And again, our culture doesn't know what to do with disappointment because there's some company out there that says, I've got a product that'll deal with your disappointment or a pharmaceutical. I've got a drug that'll help you never feel disappointed again. And if your spouse is causing disappointment in your life, then cast them off and move on. These things happen. And all society says these things happen. It's just the way it is. All right. But see, this. remember remember when you, when you held hands at that, at that altar and you looked each other in the eyes? This is not what you wished for, okay? This constant bickering, this quarreling, this, this frustration with each other. This is not what you really want. And divorce is not what you really want. What you want is to have a happy, loving home where both of you are cherished and cared for, where you have safety and you're protected and your kids are nurtured, where love can grow. That's what you really want. And look, if you want your home to be a loving home, then you've got to start by being loving yourself. And loving is not, am I getting what I deserve out of this? Love is, how can I take care of you? So start that process right now. Make a decision right now that, okay, maybe I haven't been showing love. Maybe I've been a little too concerned with what I'm getting out of this rather than what I'm giving out of this. Listen, when Jesus hung on a cross, it wasn't because it felt good. Okay? It wasn't because it felt good. He said, if there's any other way, then let it be another way. But there wasn't another way. He died to himself. And that's what it's going to take for a husband and a marriage and a wife to make it is they're going to, have to die to themselves and say, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to take care of you. Well, you say, well, I, I just don't have it in me to do that. I know that's why I'm a Christian because you don't have it in you, but you're not in this alone. Okay, enough preaching at you, I know. So what I now see more clearly is that the pain and distress often come after years of dwelling on what one is not getting out of the marriage. So, you know, when you sit in your room and you think about what you're not getting, what is it going to do? It's going to lead you to greater levels of disappointment. Comparing your marriage to everybody else's. Um, 
And so you eventually, you know, because of your frustration and misery, you justify or they justify leaving you or you justify leaving because of all your, you know, your, you've kept a record of wrongs, which is not something that love does. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. All right. So we begin to comparison, shop, you know. Oh, look at the other marriage down the street. You know, they get along so well. Look at the pastor and his wife. They get along so well. They just He's just such a sensitive soul. Why can't you be more like him? Well, the pastor's got problems too. Everybody's got problems, right? Everybody does. Maybe they don't show it. Maybe they don't, you know, display it as, as, as obviously as others. But everybody's got problems. Um, let's see. Become thirsty for something new. So here's here's kind of what happens. Let's summarize with this and we'll be done. I'm not getting my needs met. That's how it starts. I'm not getting my needs met. Quote, unquote, needs. All right? Uh, I'm not getting my needs met. And I believe in all that needs stuff. I love the his needs, her needs. I think it's very helpful. But it's helpful for me to know what I need to do for her. It's not so helpful for me to, you know, grade her on how well she's meeting my needs. So then that I'm not getting my needs met, then further delineates down into I deserve better I deserve better more attention to my needs uh, I'm entitled to better which then goes down even to a worse deeper level of if only I'd have married someone else okay see where the thinking the track goes if only I'd have married someone else but this person you married is your soulmate you married them you declared it in front of everybody that this is the one. And once you say that, then there, that's them. That's the one, okay? I could have, I, I, I should have married somebody else. Uh, I didn't know the downside, okay? Um, and then, next level it goes is my marriage is not as good as, as what it could be if I was married to somebody else or another person's marriage. And then it delineates even further into my spouse is a flawed spouse. There's something wrong with them. There's something inherently wrong with them. They're selfish. They're, and then it goes down a list of whatever you want to fill in the blank. They're the one that is the problem. I'm the good guy here. I'm the one that's trying to. I'm the good guy here. Um, and this is where the consumer-oriented mindset trips us up and gets us into trouble. Um, and until we let go of that consumer-oriented mindset, we're going to be stuck in this pattern. So, last thing they say is that, you know, we need to think of ourselves not as tourists in a marriage, just trying to sample from the best, you know, we can, and but as citizens of our marriage. In other words, plant your flag, build your home, learn the language, and live in the marriage with a commitment, a hearty commitment that says, I'm here, I'm not leaving, uh, I'm going to stick this out, we're going to work through this, um, I'm a citizen, this is where I live, these are my roots, this is the foundation on which you need to build a strong marriage. But if you do it, realize you're going to be, you're going to be paddling upstream because our whole culture is saying, What's in it for you? So you're going to be paddling upstream. You're choosing the difficult path, but you're choosing, you're choosing the high road here, and it's difficult sometimes because our whole culture is going the other direction. 
Um, but the long-term investment is worth it. The long-term investment, um, raising a family, if the Lord should bless you with kids, raising a family together and working through the highs and lows and through the health problems and the crisis and the financial problems and making it to the end of the road, hand in hand, facing the sunset together, saying we did it, is worth it. It's worth it. All right, thank you guys. Like, comment, subscribe, and as always, be present to life. Don't be so focused on what you don't have that you miss what you have right in front of you. All right, I'll see you again next time. Thank you, guys.